Hey guys, Dr. Axe here. You know, in the world of health and wellness, I've seen my fair share of wearables, but let me tell you about one that's taken my personal well being to a whole new level. I'm talking about Apollo Wearable. You know, I've been using it now for a few months, and the results have been amazing better sleep improved energy and faster recovery developed by neuroscientists and psychiatrists this next generation device gives you the power to influence how you feel through the sense of touch now let me break this down for you the apollo wearable harnesses the power of touch therapy with soothing vibrations sort of like music for your skin higher vibrations boost your energy and sharpen your focus while lower vibrations melt away stress and promote relaxation. If you're ready to experience the Apollo effect, head over to apolloneuro.com slash ancient health. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-N-E-U-R-O.com slash ancient health and use the code AXE to score an exclusive $50 discount. Welcome back to the Ancient Health Podcast, where we educate you on real health solutions that will help transform the way you live, feel, and overcome disease naturally. I'm your host, Courtney Versage, along with Dr. Josh Axe and Dr. Chris Motley. We're so happy you've joined us. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back. It's another mini episode, and today I'm excited to bring you the topic of food regulations. Now, if you're thinking food regulations, FDA, food labels, we're going to talk about that. But what I want to do in this episode is actually break down the differences between regulations and standards of food labeling between different countries. And what we're going to look at is the United States versus Europe in this specific scenario. And if you've traveled abroad, you may notice that if you have something like wheat or pastries or wine or even packaged foods, from the same manufacturer. So we're actually gonna compare a label of macaroni that Kraft has because there are different ingredients, same manufacturer, but different ingredients for the United States than there are in Europe. It's crazy. You may see people on social media, oftentimes they'll compare candy and you'll see that the United States <laughs> ingredient list is way longer than something that's over in Europe. It's so much shorter. Why is that? There's probably 10 episodes that we could record on why that is. That's not the intention of this specific conversation. Today, we're just gonna look at what some of those differences are so that you're more educated on what you're buying. And if you are traveling abroad, you know that you're getting something that's entirely different, even if it's made by the same manufacturer. So in the US, food regulations are established and enforced by the FDA. Most of us know this, right? This is an agency responsible for protecting our public health in the US, and they really oversee a lot of different areas like cosmetics, human food, tobacco products, medical devices, electronics that emit radiation. I mean, they cover a multitude of different areas. So sometimes they overlap a little bit with the US Department of Agriculture, but the FDA is really the big overseeing governing body for our food products. Now in Europe, they have what's called the EFSA, which is the European Food Safety Authority. And they have the daunting task of aligning and enforcing food regulations for 27 member nations of the European nation. So that's really the key differentiator between the US and Europe is that the US relies on a federal entity while the EFSA isn't really strictly associated with any one government. So that's one of the areas that we'll look at in terms of differences. In the US though, here's the thing, 
this is this is the one probably big takeaway is that when a food company is trying to manufacture a food product in the US, the FDA has a very hands-off approach. They're very much in the in the boat of we'll just wait to see if something bad happens after we release it and then we'll recall it. Whereas Europe is very proactive where they say you've got to prove that this is safe before we'll allow it to be used for consumption. So we know that this is true because how many commercials and products have we seen that have come out and they have these huge marketing campaigns and everybody loves them. And then maybe six months or a few years later, it's being recalled because now there's cases of cancer or there's all kinds of side effects or downsides that we start to see in small populations of people that have all been linked back to these products. So, you know, we're really the canary in the coal mine. Is that what they call it? You know, we're just test dummies out there in the US and we're just kind of waiting. Some of these new products, they seem great. There's not a whole lot of parameters around them, but you never really know if it's something that's safe. Now, with these different philosophies, the EFSA requires additives, especially chemical additives or preservatives, to be proven safe before approval, right? So that is gonna weed out a lot of chemicals and even antibiotics in the farming process when we're looking at animal products. Whereas the US, we allow a lot more. So I wanna cover what the main ones are, and there's eight of them. Now, the first one is RBGH, which is recombinant bovine growth hormone. Now, this is a normal hormone. Growth Bovine growth hormone by itself is a normal hormone in cows, and it's meant to help them produce more milk. But what Monsanto did is they came in and to make this more effective, they genetically modified this hormone so that it, it really created an even more impactful uh, output, meaning that the cows were actually producing a huge surplus of milk. Why wouldn't we change that? Isn't this wild? So Monsanto genetically modifies this and we allow it in our food supply. This is crazy, right? This is something that is not allowed in European nations, but it is in the United States. Okay, the next one is ractopamine. So this is actually used to increase lean muscle tissue in animal stock. You're gonna find this in pork, beef, turkey. You're basically just trying to increase the size of the animal because it increases the yield in meat, which then increases the bottom line and profitability of the farm. The next one is potassium bromate. You may be familiar with that. It's something that they use in uh, flowers and baked goods. It actually makes them fluffier. It makes them whiter. You're going to see this in a lot of packaged hamburger and hot dog buns, packaged goods. Um, but again, this is something that is synthetic and it's, it's known to cause and have downsides for your health. The next one is brominated vegetable oil. Now, these are oftentimes found in Coke. And what they do is it actually keeps the flavors from floating to the top. So it kind of keeps them dispersed throughout the liquid so that there's not any type of floating um, granular flavors or anything that's separated inside. But th this is this is a vegetable oil. We know vegetable oils are highly inflammatory. Nobody would ever think you have vegetable oil in your Coke, but you have a residual component of vegetable oil that is being used to emulsify other synthetic ingredients in your Coke. Highly alarming. Olestra is the next one. Um, and then the other one I want to bring up is coloring agents, okay? Because this has kind of hit the headlines. I've seen a lot of people posting about social media because there've been more studies that have come out. We know that artificial, um, artificial dyes are not good for your body, but there's been more data to support 
why they're not good for your body. So we actually have nine synthetic dyes in the United States that are approved for use in all types of, I mean, they're approved in cosmetics, they're improved in, approved for your food. So there's a number of different ways that we use these. You've got blue number one, blue number two, red number two, green number three, the list goes on and on. You may be familiar with red number 40, yellow number five. Those two oftentimes you see uh, hit the headlines a little bit more than the others. But most foods, processed and packaged foods, can contain a mixture of these colorants and dyes. So they maybe don't even have just one, but they've got multiple. So foods like cereals, ice creams, and candies contain oftentimes six of the most toxic forms of these synthetic colors. So blue number one, blue two, red three, red four, and yellow five, and yellow six. Now, we know that they cause inflammation, they disrupt the functioning of the immune system, and they're known carcinogens. So why they're being added to everything, especially foods that we're giving kids, is just kind of wild. And the last one I wanna mention on this list is BHA and BHT. These are preservatives. They are closely related, related to synthetic antioxidants used as preservatives. Sometimes you'll find these in lipsticks or moisturizers and cosmetics, but they're also widely used as food preservatives. So BHA and BHT, the problem with them is that they can cause allergic reactions to the skin. In fact, the International Agency for Research on Cancer classifies BHA as a possible human carcinogen. The European Commission of Endocrine Disruption has also listed BHA as a category one priority substance based on the evidence that it interferes with hormone function. Also see this problematic for the kidneys and the liver. So there's a high level of toxicity associated with this as well. Now, what do we do about some of this information, right? Because at the end of the day, we all kind of want to get educated on this stuff, but then it's like, what do you do with it? That's always my next question. Here's the thing I want to actually show you because this is what can be confusing and oftentimes misleading. Now, remember in the beginning of the episode, I talked about how Kraft macaroni and cheese or, or different large manufacturers can produce the same product for different countries that have different ingredient lists. I want to show you one example of this because again, this is just one example, but I think that it starts to lend some real, a real picture of reality when it comes to the manufacturers of food products in the US. We've gotta be highly suspect of things that we're buying on the shelf here because really anything goes. And we have proven studies that these ingredients are carcinogens, that they cause disease, that they drive inflammation, and yet they're still allowed to be sold. So just because it's in a store does not mean that it's safe. The FDA and the USDA are not your friends. They're not looking out for you. They're an overseeing body, but at the end of the day, they're businesses too. So that's something to consider. Now let's look at these really quick. So Kraft macaroni and cheese. Okay, it's called cheesy pasta in Europe. I'm looking at the pictures of two of them. I gotta say the Kraft macaroni and cheese US box image I mean, the noodles are giant. They're dripping with fake looking cheese. The cheesy pasta box, it doesn't look that appealing. <laughs> it really doesn't. Neither one of them look that appealing, but you know, that's just the visual difference. So here's the list on the US product. The first ingredient is enriched macaroni product containing synthetic vitamins in quotes, such as niacin, ferrous sulfate, um, riboflavin, and folic acid. Next ingredient being sodium trifluoride tripolyphosphate, which is a surfactant chemical. Okay, why, why we need surfactant chemicals, but there it is. Sodium phosphate, calcium phosphate, and then yellow food coloring number five and number six. All right, 
Now let's go over to the ingredient list for the European form of Kraft macaroni and cheese, the cheesy pasta. First ingredient is unbleached durum wheat semolina. That's flour. Next ingredient is cheese powder, followed by whey powder, lactose, salt, emulsifying salts, and the last ingredient is an all-natural coloring agent derived from paprika and beta carotenes. Like quite a different list there. And if you're if we're thinking, hey, we're getting essentially the same product, why would we have all of these chemicals and preservatives? And I'll tell you why, it's because they're really dirt cheap to manufacture. And at the same time, they have we have scientists, I actually brought this up on another episode on natural flavors. And I talked about how these companies spend a lot of money looking and evaluating certain chemicals and preservatives and additives and flavorings even to see the kind of impact that it has on your brain, to see if it drives you to be more hungry, if it's gonna make you crave more, eat more, because the more you consume, the more they sell. And so that's a huge, that that's a major bucket for them to invest money because it can yield a, quite a big return. And for them being able to swip, switch out, you know, a few ingredients for some chemical preservatives that disrupt the hormones of your hunger and satiety, that has a massive impact when you start scaling it out across the entire country. I mean, the bottom line can be significantly different. Now in Europe, I mean, they're doing something right. If someone had to ask me, hey, is the food better in Europe versus the US? I would say, yes, absolutely. They also in Europe have much tighter parameters and standards around farming practices. We have just destroyed our soil and our farms by allowing these pesticides to be sprayed on everything. We have glyphosate that is sprayed on everything. We know glyphosate is a massive problem. And the thing is now it's in the groundwater, it's everywhere. So even organic farms, if they're not using glyphosate, they're likely exposed to it because there are a lot of regions where there are farms that are adjacent to one another. And you may have an organic farm that's adjacent to a conventionally farmed property, and that property is getting sprayed down. Well, where do you think all that's going? The runoff goes everywhere. Once things get in groundwater and they can't be sanitized or purified out, these forever chemicals stay around. And then they end up in our water and our food and and they become really problematic. I've seen people that have, that eat very organic diets still test with glyphosate in their system. So, you know, I think that we can do our best in trying to clean up our diets, not be eating some of these foods. If you do travel abroad, hey, that's probably the time. If you want to have, a, you know, some things outside the norm, know that you have the ability to do it and likely are not going to have the the uh, the downsides or the symptoms or um, some of the negative side effects in eating that. So here's a summary of the key differences in food regulations between the US and Europe. One, we know that Europe takes a more precautionary approach to food regulations, while the US relies more on risk assessment, right? Well, we don't think it's gonna cause a problem, but if it does, we'll deal with the problem after the fact. Now, we know that Europe bans and restricts certain pesticides, GMOs, growth hormones, and other food production technologies that are prohibited in the US. So right out of the gate, we've got a number of things that are allowed in the food supply, including the farming of animals and the growing of our plants with pesticides that are absolutely not tolerated in other countries, specifically Europe. We also know that Europe has stricter limits on pesticide residue levels allowed on produce, so they actually measure it. We do not measure pesticide. Like nobody's out there saying, well, you've got so, you're, you're allowed to have this much of glyphosate 
on your food. Nobody's testing. You know, we're spraying and then we put it on the shelf and you buy it and then you eat it. <laughs> the Europe has also banned synthetic food dyes. So stay away from all synthetic food dyes. You're not going to get it in Europe, but you will in the US. So make sure you're checking your packages. Europe has also banned livestock growth hormones that are utilized in the US. Thank you, Monsanto. And they also um, have tighter regulations on antibiotic and antimicrobial use in animal agriculture. If you look at uh, developmental studies of young girls, especially, we're seeing that these girls are developing and going through puberty much earlier. I mean, I'm seeing, I mean, I have all, I've got three girls and, you know, 11, nine and one. So one-year-old, we're, 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 we got some time, but the nine and the 11 year old, they have their friends and we, we, you know, we have friends over all the time. I am totally astounded at how developed these young girls are at the age of nine and 10. It's truly unbelievable. I mean, I don't remember that growing up. I don't remember, you know, girls at eight and nine years old having their cycle. Um, but that's, that's what we're seeing now. And a lot of that has to do with these growth hormones that are being injected into the animals. And then we're drinking the byproduct of in their milk. So it doesn't surprise me that these genetically modified synthetic hormones are influencing the hormones that we're seeing in young children these days. But that's, that is very scary because I think we're, we've yet to really see the long-term ramifications of that. We know that girls starting their cycle early can be detrimental to their health in their later years. Europe also has stricter limits on heavy metals, toxins, and other contaminants in food and dietary supplements. You know, we're not testing for heavy metals. Some companies will do it. They'll offer a certificate of analysis and you can see that, but it's not mandatory. So there are things that may look really healthy. They may be superfoods, but they may be also harvested in areas where there's heavy metals. We did another episode with um, Darren Olean and you can listen to that one, but he, he wrote a book called Fatal Conveniences. And we actually talked about this in the episode about how he was trying to harvest, I think it was maca root. And they started finding um, different heavy metals. And he was like, I don't know how that's possible. And, and so, you know, they end up coming to find out that there is a, a nearby farm and they have been mining something and there was, there was chemical contaminants there and there were metals that were soaked up. And so something that you think might be really healthy for you might actually be carrying a huge toxic load that is a massive problem for your liver. It's a big problem for your body. So overall, Europe takes a more precautionary stance. The US regulations have scientifically proven threats, but we have these permissive practices and substances, even though there's questionable human safety data. And it's very, it's, it's disheartening in one way, but on the other hand, we're here trying to educate. And so the more that you know about this, the more you'll have um, a critical eye for the things that you're buying. And, you know, most of the things on the shelf are just not going to make the cut. So I think the more that we start to embrace that and realize real food is the way to go. And then even when you get your real food, we've done this on other episodes, we talked about how to prepare it, you know, using like some baking soda um, or an ozonator, and you can actually uh, do kind of an ozone bubble bath for, for your produce. And that will help get some of the pesticides and the residue and things off of it. Even if you're buying organic, I still think that those are measures that can help us. Cause I do think that there's still exposures, even microplastics, things like that have been found in our food supply. So being an educated customer is always the goal. I hope that this little conversation was entertaining maybe a little bit. I know it's kind of doom or gloom. Maybe I'll pick a topic next time where it's not so like, all of our food is terrible and <laughs> what are we going to do? 
or we just start that compound and we all get a farm together. I'm just putting ideas out there, guys. I don't know. I don't know if any of it's going to stick, but you know, just being, this is my creative brain. I'm also recording this at 7 p.m. on Friday. That's what I love to do, hanging out with you guys. So thank you for joining me on today's episode. Make sure you read your labels. Make sure you take all of your detoxifying herbs, all the things that will help your body. And I will see you on the next episode. Hey, Dr. Axe here. I want to say thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you're in search of more natural health content, you can follow us at Health Institute on Instagram or subscribe to our newsletter using the link in the show notes below. Hey, thanks a lot and have a blessed week.